Welcome to this edition of Hindsight is Horrifying, the show where three mostly normal and somewhat cynical adults discuss life as members of the TV generation. Oh boy. Now here are your hosts, Darth Jader, Jason Mitchell, and Adam B. Hello, hello, hello. Sorry, a bit loud there. Hello, hello, hello. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back after... Uh, Honey, we're back. Yes. After 40 yeah. years of wandering in the it's, desert. It's, it's been a bit. It's been a bit. Uh, it's been a minute since we recorded. It's been but, a uh, But we are back. And uh, now that Darth has returned from the brink of death. Yes. Well, come on. Uh, <laughs> I don't have my headphones in, so I'm not even sure what just Oh, happened. you don't have your headphones on? Oh, because you on. have your fireman's helmet on. And you'll understand why in a few moments, hindsighters. Yeah, we're watching uh, Backdraft. <laughs> no, we're, we're not. Rescue I w- me. Yeah. Oh, God. No, I wouldn't be here. Um, <clears throat> no, uh, welcome back, everybody. It is very good to have you. Uh, we've been we've been out for a while. Various people contracted various diseases. Venereal uh, and non-venereal. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Too many strippers, too yes. little time. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we are back, and this is Hindsight is Horrifying, and we are going to be talking about what I consider to be sort of a overlooked gem of a movie. Agreed. Because I don't think a lot of people think about this movie. Uh, Sadly, no, and it's fantastic. It really is, really is. Uh, Tell us what it is and uh, what it's about, although I predict that your synopsis is not even going to come close. This one does okay. I pulled it off of the Google. But, Hindsiders, this week we are discussing one of Darth's favorites, Pleasantville from 1998 with Tobey Maguire and Reese Witherspoon. And the synopsis, as you mentioned, Jason, uh, impressed by high school student David's Toby McGuire's devotion to a 1950s family TV show, a mysterious television repairman, Don Knotts, provides him with a means to escape into the black and white program with his sister Jennifer, Reese Witherspoon. While David initially takes to the simplistic, corny world of the show, Jennifer sets about jolting the characters with doses of reality that unexpectedly bring a little color into Lot their to drab say about that. existence. A lot to say about that. Oh, yes. Is that it? Is that, is yeah, it, that's that, that was the whole, the whole synopsis. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think let's talk a little bit about the movie before we get into the deep what does it mean stuff. Because I've got a theory sort of as I was watching it, I kept thinking, you know, this was written by somebody who probably was thinking in terms of is there is there a biblical reference? Is there some classic literature, you know, theme in this? And right, I think temptation plays such a strong role uh, in. Yeah. The gear shift in Pleasantville. Yeah, me. yeah, it, it does. And I, I think, um, well, let's talk about the movie a little bit first, and then we'll get into the analysis of it. Okay. And why don't you turn your hat on? Woo, woo, Are we woo, ready for woo. this? Now, now Toby, whoa, <laughs> can you hear that, hindsight? That could be useful. Yes. Yeah. Can. That could be useful. You should wear that and drive really fast. It's like really a rape whistle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A rape I'm whistle. A, I'm, uh, you know, alone in a parking lot at night. Somebody starts following me. I just turn my hat on. <laughs> no, I could walk into, um, you know, a government office and be like, "Hey, can I get some welfare?" <laughs> just like this, indeed. <laughs> so, so Toby, yeah, this McGuire, is my sister. She's retarded. Toby, yeah. Toby McGuire is 23 years old. By the I way, I actually yeah. wrote that down because, in you know, the long-standing tradition of having people who are too old play high schoolers. Tobey Maguire isn't even uh, the youngest of them. He's 23 uh, about this time. Reese Witherspoon was 22, and Paul Walker was 25, as compared to Luke Perry, who played a teenager well into his mid-40s, I yeah. want to say. Uh, rest in peace there. Uh, but uh, speaking both of, of them. Paul, Paul Walker, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm not making fun of Paul Walker. No, no, but you said no. rest in peace. Luke we were Perry. just pointing out that they're both, yes, you know. Yes, rest in peace as well. There's a couple uh, resting Walker. right now. We're we're yeah. Don for, Knotts has been gone for quite a while. Uh, 2008, two, I think. Oh, I thought it was 2006. I I could be I don't know. We'll um, the the point of the movie, the plot of the movie, is pretty straight. And this is what I meant by it. I didn't think that a synopsis would do it justice because you okay. could describe it very quickly. Do tell. You know, you have two kids who are transported into a 50s TV show. Uh, what? 2006 is when oh. Don Knotts died. <laughs> you you win a cookie. When I um, graduated um, from high school. Yo, I'm sure that's why he picked that date. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah. She was no oh, longer dear. watching his show, so he died. Yeah. So the the synopsis is that these two kids are put into a 50s TV show, and then Havoc breaks out. Okay. But at random. like The movie has almost accidental depth to it, the way that everything is set up. I feel like it could have been even more substantial if... 
all of this had happened on purpose because the synopsis makes it seem as though Don Knotts was scheming to find David specifically for a long time when in fact he just sort of rambles up because he's the television repairman and you think that he's got like these magical powers, which to an extent he does, but he doesn't even realize that David's a fan of Pleasantville until uh, David like mentions the marathon and he starts quizzing him on it. I think he he was testing him. No, he was. He's he was been testing, testing a lot of people because he. But he said there is a line though where he said when he talks about the remote control and like looking quick, for quick note. Yeah, no bra in the center, girl. I just had to bring that up. If you oh come on, the nineties. Uh, this is yeah, yeah the nineties were the best. Nothing. Yeah, the nineties were the best fashion wise. I'm sorry. That's the only reason why guys were into the Friends as a TV show. Jennifer Aniston went braless for about a decade there. So. I was always on Team Monica. Mm. Yeah, we know. Yeah, um, um, Team Chandler all day long. But no, I mean, he never wore a bra. I, 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 that's true. Well, as far as you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, good point. Um, but anyway, th- yes, the movie though, you say that it has sort of like accidental depth to it. I actually think that it's general, generally an extremely deep story. It's not a comedy. I'm not saying it isn't deep, you know. I'm saying it's almost <clears throat> accidentally so. Because Don Knotts doesn't know who David is when he rolls up to his house. It's not like he has a list like Santa Claus of, oh, these people show promise, and then he finds a way to shoehorn his way into their existence. He happens upon them. Yeah. And so it's not really that he's questing for a specific person. He's just kind of hoping that somebody knows as much about Pleasantville as somebody like David does. But it has to be some kind of divine intervention because they didn't even call him. He just right. showed up at that As soon as door. the remote control broke. Right. Yeah, we didn't even call a TV repair. Well, yeah, he's, he's, he's magical. There's something, yeah, yeah, he's a something magical amazing sure about him. Of magic. I'm just, you know, well, it's a literary thing. It, it, it's sort of like Izzy, isn't he? He's the literary thing that the writer put in to make the story happen. But my you big know. question is, to what end? Because that's a question that never gets answered. Well, see, that's why. I, that's yes, I I agree, I agree with you. That's the whole. That's where I think there's a lot of interpretation. I think there's a because there should be some <clears throat> payoff if well, he's been seeking this person for years and years and quizzing all these different people and so many people there is disappointed payoff. him. I'm not. No, but he doesn't have like a specific mission. He's not, you know, planting people in Pleasantville to achieve a specific goal that we're aware of. Right. He just keeps telling them that it's almost like a vacation. He's like, oh, this is a privilege to be here, you know, and sure it is. You get a simpler time in life. You get a nice home-cooked breakfast and a pleasant family to live with every day. Great. But what was Don Knotts really attempting to achieve? Because it hap- it just so happens I that know exactly fixed- what he was. He was a fan of Ted Turner, and he was upset that Pleasantville wasn't colorized. So he was doing what he could to get more color into that show. <laughs> they should have gotten Ted Turner to play the Don Knotts <laughs> oh, role. That, yeah. that would have been classic. This but, is exactly what I was talking about. I have a question. Why Tobey Maguire? <gasps> um, he's 23. He's new in the business. He's not good-looking. He doesn't have huge range. He's he's kind of well. I agree. Sing my Spider Man. No, no, see, no, but that's no. that. Uh, I agree with you, hundred percent. This movie, as I was watching it, ah, oh, there's Don Knotts. Yeah. Quite the ladies' man. Oh. Um, but in this movie, I love Tobey Maguire. I loved him in this. I, I thought he reminded me of... He does need to be casted well. I'll I'll agree with you on yeah, that. Yeah. He reminded me of... Uh, oh, God. Who was the kid from Mystic Pizza? Uh, Julia Roberts. <laughs> no. Um, I'm blanking, too. I, yeah, I can't remember. No, but uh, Chris O'Donnell. Oh, yeah. Chris O'Donnell. Robin. And Chris, this role reminded me a lot of watching Chris O'Donnell in um, Scent of a Woman. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. if that had been it for Chris O'Donnell, I, I'd be able to say, yeah, I like Chris O'Donnell. He's a really good actor. One hit wonder, as it were. Well, I don't know. I think Tobey Maguire's a good actor. He's great in Wonder Boys. He was fantastic in The Cider House Rules. He was really good in Wonder Boys. And no, it, no, no he, I don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's just when you look at him and, and you're casting tens of hundreds of people, right? Yeah. Y- usually Hollywood wants someone with a Paul Walker kind of look. You know, the, the, Paul Walker. I know, but the, like a dashingly handsome individual. So you would have cast, but the whole point is that David's like a nerdy outcast. You can't have Paul Walker playing that role. No, no, I know. So I who know. are you? Did you have somebody in mind that you would have cast in lieu of Tobey Maguire? I probably could have played that role. 
about about then. I would have been. Oh, uh, that's mid, where we're going. I'd have been in my that's where we're going. Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> well, no. She, well, wait. They didn't. If They'd be on set together. Oh, that's true. I mean, he'd have the opportunity in between takes it, just because they're playing brother and sister. I mean, cut, Reese. May I kiss you? No. <laughs> no. Ew. Ew. <laughs> no. Anyway, that was just a just a hypothetical question. I do love Tobey Maguire. I think he's a great actor. But you know, just what was it that jumped out at you? I think I, I, the director yeah. saw something, and he, I think. And he did well. He I did admit. well. And the thing is, when this movie came out, there was no Tobey Maguire. So he, he gave a sort of Tobey Maguire-esque sure. performance, yep. you know? Um, yeah, but, well, okay. Which is so you funny, st- well, considering you, he came up with the likes of Leo DiCaprio, who's his best buddy in real life. And Leo yeah. DiCaprio is one of the biggest movie stars of all time now. And yeah. Tobey Maguire is a huge deal, don't get me wrong, especially in the Marvel Universe, where he's Spider-Man. But He's got more memes, I think, yeah. than... than than Leo. Than Leo. Leo. Leo's, Leo's got a substantial collection. Well, he's got the. There's the Leo <laughs> meme. There's the meme. You the know, pointing at the television, spotting something. Yeah. Meme, yeah. Uh, the laughing meme from Django Unchained. See, but he's got the dancing meme, and, and that's that's great. Yeah, that's the an, sort of like this, the, the sort of yeah that dance. I can't do it because I I can't. Well, now dance. he even has uh, like a dubbed over song uh, from Spider Man No Way Home. Oh. It's fantastic. I've danced to it like forty times. Now here we go. Okay, I so the you, so the two characters that we're going to be spending a lot of time with, Jin and David, Jin and David. Now they are brother and sister in real life, yes. and they're about to leap into this world. This yeah, Pleasantville. Now here's the thing. I think the movie tries to almost mislead you on one thing, What's because that? there's a scene in the movie where as the characters begin bringing about real human feelings and human life in this, in this sort of, you know, prototype world. Um, At one point there's a girl who gives him an apple and it's this very Adam and Eve sort of moment. And I feel like that's almost like a misdirect. And that is actually after the rose. uh, Yeah. That's red first. Oh yeah. That's way down with the apple. Well, both of them happen. So it's still biblical imagery going on in the movie, but the rose, like the garden of Eden. But that girl is is not Eve. That girl is not Eve. No. In the movie, Jin, uh, Reese Witherspoon's character, in my opinion, is Lucifer. Okay. Okay. Well, who is Lucifer? Lucifer means light giver, light bringer. Mm -hmm. That's right. And it was all about, you know, bringing this this forbidden knowledge into this perfect Eden. Yeah, she's the one who enlightens everybody. You're you're correct. Yeah, but I don't... All sorts of things. (laughs) So if she's Lucifer, um, David is God. Yeah, because he's trying to preserve the world as yeah. is. And the thing is, he it's important to point out that David, who uh, is shoehorned into being the character of Bud, and uh, Jin becomes uh, Mary Sue. Who And they apparently obliterate those two humans. Yeah, th- that's another thing I was going to bring up. Yeah. I was like, okay, so once again, to what end? Because it's basically like he eliminated Bud and Mary Sue. Because yeah, because he leaves. Even David, so spoiler alert, hindsighters, for those of you who haven't seen this 1998 gem. Uh, yeah, so Bud comes back to reality at the end of the movie. Jen does not. And my question there is she stays in Pleasantville because she actually becomes studious and has a chance to go to college in the Pleasantville universe. But... Does she ever plan to come back to reality in that case? Because those credits aren't going to transfer. Thank God. I, I don't. I don't think she is ever going to come back. And if she does come back, it, it'd be you would come back and realize, yeah, this. Yeah, does uh, she. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, but so if 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 she's Lucifer, and she clearly is, in my opinion, Lucifer, because okay. her whole thing is she's like throwing information in people's faces. Okay. You know, she's um, and calmly too. It's not she's, like, oh, let me tell you a she's secret. Stirring yeah. the pot. She's doing it like she's right. she enjoys fucking with this perfect world. And she's like, this is terrible. They they live this horrible, sterile life. Yeah. And meanwhile, he's going, no, this is this is perfect. Don't change anything. Um, But then he as things go on, you end up with the actual world that we live in, which is exactly what happened with Eden, because Eden. Well, it was perfect, but it sucked because, you know, it was boring. Right, right. Humans left. We're in a world now where bad stuff happens, but it's our world. We can do what we want. We have free will and all that stuff. And so I don't know where Don Knotts fits into that analysis, if it's God and the devil going in to Eden. Well, does that make the remote the apple? (laughs) 
in a weird way? No, I, I, no, because Lucifer is the one. The apple yeah, is. Little... She's the. I can tell you what the apple is. Well, <laughs> yeah. it's more like the cherry in this case. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. well, no, that, that cherry, changes every. That cherry, that cherry, yeah, left home a long yeah. time ago. <laughs> and, and that's not being sexist. She says that. Oh, yeah. Essentially, you know, yeah, I've had course. sex tons of times. Well, yeah, and even at the end where she resigns herself to staying in Pleasantville or whatever's outside of Pleasantville within the Pleasantville universe, she's like, I've done the slut thing. It got old. Well, and that's but the other thing too. They when even do, oh, sorry. Like at the soda shop, did you notice they keep ordering cherry cokes? Yeah. specifically. <laughs> so. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. That's another uh, another point to bring up, though, is the fact that um, when they leave, what's the universe doing? It's expanding. <laughs> yeah, and where to where? Where's it going? To infinity and it, beyond. beyond. Mm-hmm. Where does our universe go as it expands? Somebody <clears throat> get Neil on the phone. Neil yeah. deGrasse Tyson. Somebody. The answer is nowhere because wherever the universe isn't, there's no space, so it can't expand into anything because nothing exists. Damn. So Just the like Pleasantville, Pleasantville. So the Pleasantville universe, as they leave, is slowly expanding. In space is actually being created. That's so true. You're yeah. right. It is like a little mini universe. Welcome to our TED Talk uh, on uh, science. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, worlds. Only the old ones in their, in this universe, in the Pleasantville universe, the elders, the old ones remember what it used to be like. And some of them know that you can change things with your mind. Right. So I figure a few of them will achieve immortality. And we could have literally a movie set in the Pleasantville universe plus 1,000 years. <laughs> And it could be like Dune. Combine the universes. In fact, Dune and Pleasantville could be the same universe. (laughs) But meanwhile, uh, getting back to the movie, poor Mary Sue. uh, I never understood this. It was too minor a detail for it to really matter. But it always bugged me for some reason that uh, Betty, uh, their fictional mom in Pleasantville, only forced one of her children to eat breakfast. And it was her girl child. She feeds Mary Sue like half a farm animal first thing in the morning before going to school. She gives her like a pound of bacon, a bunch of sausage, fried eggs, and of course a ham steak. Because who doesn't start the of day course. off with that much protein? But even in Pleasantville, did they really serve breakfast that large? Well, and I then, didn't know why they had to do that, have folks. Any sort of plumbing as far as bathrooms go. <laughs> oh, How that's is that right. they don't they don't eliminate. Oh, so. they don't excrete waste, and yet they take in food. So. How well, so we're because you're eventually just like going Star to Trek. Well, but here's the thing, though. So for the first uh, until things start going, you know, uh, color. We're what you trying to say about color? Jim? Well, no, we're, we're David and uh, what's her name? Jennifer. Jen. Were David and Jen just going out behind the house and shitting? What were they doing until toilets came around? Because she specifically goes into a bathroom and she there's no toilet. She doesn't no, go to go to the bathroom, though. She goes to kind of escape from uh, Skip Martin. So, so Paul maybe Walker's character, she goes in to get away from him when they're on their first date because he's so innocent. And that was the first day, right? That was their first date. So um, she might have been peeing out fluid that she brought from our universe and she may, they may be able to eat the all they want to. Just it yeah. all out of her or or they knows. are in Pleasantville. Maybe they don't have that that's, urge. That's what it, yeah. That sensation. But we're at a very important part, which will actually explain my costume tonight, Hindsider. So in Pleasantville. Costume. You, oh, costume. Prop. Oh, I thought that was just a. That's what you thing normally you were doing. wore. Oh, I was applying evenings. for welfare earlier today. <laughs> if you wear a specific helmet. She's retarded. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're on crack, and, you know, we just thought it'd be a good plan. Anyway, uh, so in the world of Pleasantville, uh, nothing can even set on fire. So no flames in Pleasantville whatsoever. So what do the firemen do? What's their purpose, gentlemen? They rescue. They rescue kitties. Oh, look. Out of trees. Two kitties. I must have one by Yes. So Thank you. Careful with my kitty. Yeah, um, it's funny because the scene with the firefighters, which is a really good scene. Oh, um, especially later when there is an actual fire. Yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> So here we have, you know, Paul Walker. Yep, Martin. So I guess mm. Paul Walker might be like an Adam character. Yeah, because she corrupts him first. Yeah. No, actually, Paul Walker would be Eve then. Because Eve, the first one corrupted, the devil went after Eve. That's true. So yeah, we're doing some gender swapping and all sorts of. I'm telling you, there's actually you you, you could Fullery. you could write an entire bullshit PhD thesis on this movie. I wish I was in college. When I this bet movie you came could. Out. Yeah, yeah, you I could just you, yeah, you could do a whole thing, and people would go, "Wow." Well, wow. And he, in a weird way, and I get that does make sense, Jason, because uh, Eve was kind of the devil's toehold into the world and yeah. getting you know his agenda started, and same thing with Jen. 
because the main reason she's upset about being planted in Pleasantville is because the dreamboat of her high school back in reality was supposed to come over and have sex with her right. uh, while they were watching some sort of concert on MTV. <laughs> Hence, well, that's why she and David were fighting it's, over the remote to begin it's with. It's so quaint. Because remember the 90s? <laughs> oh, I remember having like, sex to MTV. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nostalgia. Oh. <laughs> well, even, oh my God, their version of Nick at Night, what do they call it, TV time? Their slogan yeah. was, remember, you're soaking in it. And I was uh, like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> that smells fishy to yeah. me. Uh, don't they all? But anyway, yeah. no, but going back to the point about Lucifer and Jen, she, uh, Paul walkers her toehold into Pleasantville because she does corrupt right. him, like you yes, said. Yes, yes, yes. And that's how things, you know, really... Well, that's true. Paul Walker then, yeah, it's sort of like, because remember in the Bible, you know, Eve gets the apple and is like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to just spread this shit around. Yeah, because he goes to Paul, the other basketball players and he's like, oh, I did yeah. this thing with Mary Sue at Lover's Lane last night. And he's spreading the word about... There you go. The, yeah, the right. knowledge. Um, so, yeah, you're right, Jason. Any, you know, university deans who are watching this, you can go ahead and mail the PhDs. Uh, you can email it. Just we do it. Good. Just PDF or take a picture on the phone and then send that to us. And uh, so we'll be doctors. That's then. how I became a high priestess. So yeah. uh, I need another degree to put on my wall. There you go. I think the high priestess thing is actually, you've already gotten more practical value out of it than, than, than anyone with a PhD in, in English. Yeah, you've done something That's with true. that. I've actually performed a wedding ceremony. <laughs> We That's just lost our English PhD listeners. Oh, sorry about that. Well, I was gang. only a bachelor. So come back, <laughs> come back. To it's us. okay. They can't figure out how to use the uh, the app on their phone though, so they, they won't know how to delete us. We all had to do it. All of us English majors. We did our stint at Starbucks. It's what happens. But yeah, so David is trying to preserve the innocence of Pleasantville at first, but then he winds up on you know Jen's side of thinking because he sees that it's evolution and it's actually healthy for all the Pleasantville you know, citizens. I don't think he sees that. I think he's going to get laid by that girl and he can't leave. Once he realizes there's something in it for him. Yeah. yeah. Well, and plus he actually helps them with, you know, learning about their rights as citizens and he helps them, you know, just with their knowledge. Like he helps fill in the books because Jen, ironically enough, even though she's the bringer of light, she's the dumb one between the two siblings. Oh, And and can I just, can I just say that we're not like, being yay Lucifer here, this is literary stuff. So don't nobody. What are you talking? No, about? don't We're nobody. Don't know. <laughs> yeah. Clan later. Don't nobody write in. Put, you know, put <laughs> put the caps back on your ink pots. Okay. We're Gabble you know. Worshippers. All right. We're this is We're just clang our axes together later. <laughs> yeah. Yes. My fireman's axe. Oh. Oh. No, but anyway. everything's so pleasant in Pleasantville that even the basketball team, uh, which David <laughs> slash Bud plays for, you can't miss a shot to the point where Toby Maguire just kicks the basketball off in one direction and he still scores because it like bounces the ricochets off the wall and all ricochets around. everywhere. And and yeah, because it's the rules Swish. of the simulation. Yep. God, there's so much to think about. He should have <laughs> pulled his shorts down and then they would have been able to, you know, short circuit the system. And everything well, would have been fine. If there's a wiener on the but no, monitor, but, I swear to God. Well, so. no, but, but that's the thing, though. They don't urinate. They don't have sex. Do they have genitals? I mean, clearly they, they clearly clearly they do because yeah. they do have sex, but before that moment. But I wonder if it's like the books. So you were talking. Yeah, because yes, uh, yes. It's, I wonder if it's like the books. So the reason they have a joke where Jen, she's like, "This place is so weird, David. The books don't even have anything. Them, it's just cover and cover, and then they're empty on the middle." And he's like, "What were you doing in a library?" And she goes, "I got lost." But so she's clearly the ditzy one between the two of them. But uh, later on, uh, one of the kids asks her about a book, and she's like, oh, I only remember the part up to the raft with uh, Huck Finn. And then David's like, oh, yeah, I remember this story. So this is what happened next. And then the words start filling in. So I wonder if if as Jen was turning Skip Martin on at Lover's Lane, he developed genitalia. Well, because in that scene, he acts like, whoa, something's happening down there. He's like, I I may need to go home. I think I'm ill. Yeah, and you're you're led to believe that it's because he's getting a boner for the first time. But But maybe he actually didn't have genitals until that moment. Yeah. That would be terrifying, right? That would would definitely be... Yikes. You know. One develops... (laughs) <laughs> all the equipment downstairs like, again if you'd like to complain uh, <laughs> I can't believe my picture I think we just lost so our PhD yeah. it's like going from G.I. Joe to Harry Reams yes yeah for those Reamer, of you who love know. 70s or, or from G.I. Joe to that uh, the doll that they hold up in court <laughs> 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 yes touch point, yeah. on this point to the doll <laughs> yeah, where you've been touched uh, yeah, so go on 
No, it's okay. It sounds like you had a point to make. No, no, I actually didn't. I was just killing dead air. Oh, great. Yeah. But yeah, so maybe they develop genitalia uh, like as they develop their curiosity. Who knows? Because the same thing happens with Betty, uh, Mary Sue and Bud's mom. Yeah, because she tells her mom to go masturbate. Well, and that was when I which, first... Which really cemented the Lucifer moment for me, where I'm just like... so calmly, cool as a cucumber, explains the whole process to her. Yeah, like, I I mean, I, I don't think if... if I don't see a scene where Bud is sitting around with uh, William H. Macy going, well, Dad, what you do is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know. Let me help you. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bill Macy. Come Ew. on. You could tell your friends. I would just, I would have stayed in Pleasantville and I would have just neoed the whole fucking place. <laughs> I, I would have, I would have been like manifesting, you know, just how, wait, I can literally shape this simulation with my with my mind, okay. It's a little yeah. bit more difficult and practical though in Pleasantville because this is a great for instance. So Jeff Daniels plays. Uh, oh, I can't remember his name. Soda right jerk. <laughs> Jeff Daniels' best role ever. Oh really? I think. Okay. I think it's his best job ever. I thought he. I thought he I did. Can see I thought. I thought he. He was. Well, especially back in the '90s, this is one of the few times you saw him in a serious role back yeah. then. So I can see that. But you, but it tricks you though because you think he's going to be just comic relief. You really get that impression he's a because he's such a simpleton. And yeah. ev- everything he says is like, uh, you know, like, I turn the lights off myself. Well, you that, know, well, I'm getting to that. So, yeah. uh Bud comes in to work late, and uh, Jeff Daniels says, "Rub the counter completely shiny," because. He's like, oh, well, you were late for work, and that's never happened in Pleasantville before. So he's like, normally you come in, you open the blinds, I wipe down the counter, and then I do, like, he's going step by step through their process of how they open the soda shop. And he's like, you didn't come in, bud, so I just kept wiping the counter. And he doesn't know how to function without without those perfunctory steps. Because uh, he, he's, he's an NPC. Operating by. And yeah, they're yeah. all sheep. They, they do the same exact thing every single day. And, but that's what I'm going back to your point with Neo. You can't just manifest stuff by thinking of it in every case. It'd be a lot more difficult and, you know, more of a practical process in Pleasantville because Bud had to sit there and be like, oh, well, you don't have to wait on me to put the lettuce on the cheeseburgers. Yeah. You can grill them, put the cheese on, do the lettuce yourself. It's fine. And it's like a miracle to Jeff Daniels that he can accomplish this by himself. Right. So I think well, this, take a this lot This was longer. all written by writers, so he was waiting for the cue. Right. right? Yeah. Mean, he was stuck on that one line. If you're an actor, you're waiting for the cue line. You're going to keep rubbing. Well, the, Some the, actors the, more than others. The best, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, th- I think the, the, the best way... To look at it is it's like a, a video game like Skyrim or, or Fallout or something like that where you have player characters, um, which are, you know, conscious entities interacting with a computer, and you have the NPCs, the non-player characters, and they are just running a routine. And they might have, you know, radiant AI or different things like that, but if you don't program the NPC to know that it should turn the light switch on it will never come up with it on its own. Well, right. yeah, right. you know. That's it, where some video games became so much more involved. Like, even the simpler ones, like uh, Mario on N64, on the main menu where you could stretch his face or, like, pull his ears. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, after a while, if you weren't playing the game, he would eventually fall asleep and sit there and snore. Yeah, well... Instead of just, you know, sit there and float. But you have to think, though, if this is a simulation. Have you ever heard of a uh, school of thought called uh, solipsism? No. Okay. Very short version of it is. Well, the very, thanks. Um, I have the beard. Um, The the extremely short, condensed version is you know that you exist, right? Okay. Do I? Well, no. That's that's the point. You know that you exist. I think, therefore, I am. But you don't know if I exist. And you don't know if he exists. The only one you know for a fact exists is you oh is that the joke where does it apply to this field of thought where uh these kids were in a a class and the professor puts a stool in front of all of them and says prove to me that this stool doesn't exist and one kid aced the test by writing what stool um and walked out <laughs> is that the same school of thought or am i venturing into i mean yeah I, I could see a yeah, yeah a similarity uh, no but it's like i know because i have thoughts i'm aware of myself but I don't know. You could be fake. You could be in my imagination. You could be a computer simulation. You could be any. I cannot ever actually know that you exist. So you're telling me that I could be simple Rick 
just getting those endorphins. And you could be <laughs> serotonin fed but the into thing my is, brain to but make good wafer yeah. cookies. But the thing is, I'm sitting here telling you I exist, and I don't know if you do, but you're just hearing me say that. You right. know you exist. Right. So well, to you, yeah. I just watched Blade Runner, and th- they had memories programmed in, so they mm-hmm. thought they existed because they were pre-programmed. So how do I know I really exist? When you woke up this morning, yeah. what if everything before you woke up this morning was fake and you just have the memories? That's right. Yeah, That's everything. Kind of like in total recall. My head hurts. We've got to watch Dark City because Dark Dark City gets deep into that stuff. But no, but that's yeah, but that's that's why I like movies like this because it really, you know, like what if this world is full of NPCs? What if like there are some people who are like actually player characters doing this life thing? Just watch out for the deja vu, aka the glitch in the matrix. Well, but what if when you watch a, a a a baseball game on TV, none of those people are real. Simulation. They're they're just Sorry, on your TV screen. Yeah. yeah, you know they're just on a uh, you know you don't know. Well, we're about to get to uh, Lucifer tempting. <laughs> we should actually Martin. probably take a break. We are up to about half an hour. All right, sounds good. Okay, so let me before you do that, we will be back in about one second. If we still exist. If we ever did. And we're back. Yahoo! Uh, continuing to talk about Pleasantville, uh, yeah. Pleasantville, a movie I saw in the theater. And I don't think I've seen it since then. <laughs> came out uh, in 98, so you were really young. I was in college. Yeah, yeah I was in yeah. college whenever it came out. So this is definitely, I mean, I know we would have gone I on a Saturday. We would have gone to see this. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that doesn't really sound as, you were 10? Yeah. I was 18. Yeah, yeah we've always been 10. Uh, yeah, but it, it doesn't, but it doesn't really sound as, you know, I feel like, uh, I don't know, the gulf uh, widened maybe over time. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Ten years is not. I mean, I feel like the, the age difference is bigger <laughs> when you're like when you're in school because oh, you're like a little elementary school kid. While well, I'm in college, okay, fifteen years from now, this is not going to matter. Like, right. Age difference. I think it's not. It becomes less relevant the older you get. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. Very true. I agree. Um, okay. Uh, shocking. <laughs> <laughs> so I do want to actually ask uh, everyone in the audience uh, to name this cat. Right, take its this take its hat off. Take its ha- take its hat off. Okay, I am gonna bet that ninety percent of the one person who's watching this right now <laughs> is gonna think that that's from the from the Lion King. He is not. Uh, should I spoil it? Go ahead, uh, spoil it. And he even has a tag. This is Oliver from Oliver and Company with Billy Joel, and uh, this is a blast from the past. This is a kitty kitty kitten from the nineties, and they actually when you turn them over. Oh, they make the sound. They purr. Yeah. I love the purring cats. <laughs> yeah, the boys were both saying that this is Simba, and he's not. Uh, that's Oliver. He's a little kitten, and he's wearing my fireman's hat now. Oh, you can't see. There Uh-oh. we go. He's blinded. But anyway, so we've passed the point where Jen has corrupted most of Pleasantville. She starts the ripple with Skip, yes. and then he tells all the, the b-ballers about sex, and that's exciting. And then they start missing their uh, shots in basketball. Mm-hmm. They get the yips. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the um, the movie doesn't pull any punches at all because in the process of, of wakening everybody up, Jen tells her mom about sex. About masturbation and then well. And then tells her and encourages her to go upstairs and masturbate. Well, because Betty tells she's like, oh, well, your father would never do anything like that. And so instead of leaving her mom hanging, she's like, well, you can't have fun without dad, you know. Yeah, yeah, you can hook the J. And, and then puts her in a bathtub and doesn't explain about faucets. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, th- I, w- I was actually thinking how funny it would be if in the next scene, um, the mom shows up and she's got like band-aids on her fingers. She's limping. Never eating anything you're cooking again, mom. Gross. Honey, where's my dinner? I can't get up. <laughs> now, mom, this is called a cigarette. Um, oh, sweet Jesus. But I believe until the next Star Wars movie, which came out a, a year or so after this, this was the most computerized Yes. Activity. Yes, because it was shot completely in color. Uh, They actually had to go in and change everything. Yeah, it had the most digital shots of a movie. And it looks beautiful. Oh, it's gorgeous. And you know... It holds up today. Oh, yeah, it absolutely... It holds up today. The the acting in the movie is is wonderful. The story is, I think, very deep. Like I said, it comes across... You you kind of get tricked into thinking it's going to be a comedy 
you know, you almost think it's going to be like a Jim Carrey thing where he shows up in a TV show and it's wacky hijinks. Yeah, but it's a fish out of water. Oh it God. absolutely is a human-centered, you know, existential. I mean, when I watched this the other day, I went for a walk and I just kept thinking about it. It was a very existential kind of... I picked a good one. Oh, no, uh, yeah, I was... Oh, you definitely did. Yeah. It was great. And it's funny See, all the Tobey Maguire movies I pick are good ones. What, what have you I picked? What have you picked besides Wonder, Wonder Boys? Oh, that was all I can think of. No, and all I'm on a roll. Obviously, so too. So yeah, so all two of them. So all far, two. I'm on a roll. And, and, and let me ask down. you, what would be your third Tobey Maguire movie? The Cider House Rules. Uh, yeah. God, that movie's depressing. But it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Anyway, you, Futurama got a great joke. Well, out of I it. even had a joke about that, uh, which we've already passed in the movie because uh, eventually. Uh, the town becomes so tumultuous change that uh, the Chamber of Commerce Chamber of Commerce gets yes. together and they agree that there's going to be rules around Pleasantville. And I actually wrote them down, uh, but one of which is that you can't uh, teach changist history in school. You have to stick with the old ways and what everybody's familiar with. And so, and Tobey Maguire's just reading them off one by one. And I was like, oh, Homer's reading the cider house <laughs> rules in the soda shop. But uh, Oh, he said Homer. I was, <laughs> that was I, 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 I know, I know. I was, I don't remember that episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> um, no, but Jeff Daniels, I think, has one of the biggest arches of anybody, or arc, excuse me, of anybody of the other characters in the movie because, uh, and he has like a Rick and Morty moment because later in the movie, he comes back to Bud and he's like, Oh yeah, well you left early, and then I didn't know what to do, and so, and then the next night it happens again, and Bud gets frustrated with him, and he's just like, "Just make the damn hamburgers!" And he goes, "What's the point?" So they can have their hamburgers, and it's like, "What do I do?" You pass butter. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, join the club, pal. Well, yeah, but the good thing is, is that he then later he on, his, he, and yeah. he says, "He's like, I turn, I, I close the windows myself." Yeah, you know? I did it all on my own, and, and you know what, Bud? I liked it. Yeah, like, it's a thrill for him. He loves it. It's this ecstasy of actually starting to exist you know because it's like you know is it i think therefore i am ah you're thinking now it's like he's bringing awareness into all of these you know nascent quasi humans it, it, it's it's a fascinating movie it, it is. really and is a fascinating movie it begs is that the why after you're married you turn black and white again <laughs> yeah. Just curious. Yeah. oh that explains that. Yeah, you, yeah, that's right <laughs> this was a dark brown how many so. cargo shorts do you own <laughs> as many as my wife allows me. i don't feel like taking a honey purse. i'm home <laughs> No, we yeah. allow y'all a strategic amount of uh, cargo shorts because we don't want to take a purse to every event. So. I gotcha, I there gotcha. You go. It's strategy, yeah. mister. But uh, th another substantial matter to this is uh, at first Jennifer thinks that what is changing everyone is the, you know, salacious aspects. Like it, And then she's one of the last ones to turn into Technicolor. And she's like, David, what's wrong with me? And he's like, nothing. I don't think it's just the sex, Jen. I think, you know, you go through a deeper change than that. Yeah. And yeah. it's true. Like, everybody has their own boiling point at different points throughout the story. Like, for uh, Skip, he didn't turn to color right away just no. because he had sex with Mary Sue. Uh, everybody changes at different times because you'd think that once David jumped on board with everybody changing and evolving that he would turn to color too, but it took him even longer than Jen to mm. turn to Technicolor. You know, and I just, he did once he defended Betty from being attacked by uh, a gang in an alleyway. Yeah. He punched somebody really hard. Normally he's the very quiet, Yeah, nerdy. he had his own self-awareness. Yeah, yeah. He, he's very withdrawn and nerdy, but like he fought somebody and defended his mom, and that's when he turns to color. I, I like... I don't like... I love the choice they made to when you have the, you know, the black and white palette, um, you know, fifties TV show, black and white palette. And they did a great job of making it. Oh yeah. Feel. And the lighting was great. Yeah. But the color palette is very technicolor. It's very, it's vibrant. It, it's not like color today. It's like 1950s color in the cinema. Right. Right. You know, and I love the fact that because even when they become, you know, multicolored, Molly, you know, polychromatic, they still feel old because of that color palette. And then when he goes back to the real world, quote unquote, it's modern 1990s color palette. Exactly. And it, it's just yeah. well done. Well, it, done, it, it really is. It's a very well done movie. Yeah. And it's funny because I couldn't figure out what that that looks so much like something the Eucharist goes in. That and it Her was compact. Yeah, and she throws it down to him, and yeah, it glints. And he and he, when he catches it in his hand, I mean, it looks like a priest holding the Eucharist. 
was like, okay. oh, what You're is that? so deep with this movie, Jason. No, I'm no. telling you, this movie, I, I, I really do think there's a tremendous amount to it. And you oh, know what? There's Doyle from Gilmore Girls <laughs> <laughs> making a Aww. random appearance. No, that's Doyle from Gilmore Girls. One the of actor the who played Doyle? Oh, yes. I'll, I'll take your word oh, okay, for it. Yeah. He uh, dated the most high-maintenance character on the show, Paris. I the editor I of the Yale Daily News. I Come on. Why oh, do I uh, work with boys? Jeez. I, so I, no, hey, I, I, I've watched several episodes of Gilmore Because Girls. of Lauren Graham. Yes, because of Lauren Graham. I wasn't listening. Anyway. That's <laughs> why so yeah. I had Band-Aids on my fingers. Well, and so here's a question that I had, too. Was the mayor holding the most cards as far as everything turning to color? Because the city itself... The town of Pleasantville well, doesn't turn to color until the mayor does. He was it? the last bit. Because remember, the people in the audience, start as Toby McGuire was giving his speech, the people in the audience started. They were popping. Turn, they were, yeah, they were turning color. Yeah. Um, popped out of the snow like daisies. Which I didn't like the whole, that was one thing in the movie I wish they wouldn't have done with the, the no coloreds. And it was like, oh, yeah, it's. Bringing up segregation. Well, it's like it's like oh, a commentary on actual. I don't want to. I don't care about actual. We're in this beautiful existential mystery, you know. Yeah, eh, we don't need to bring that nitpick, aspect nitpick. into it. Yeah, no, I kind of agree with you. It wasn't necessary, but it was so on the nose. Yeah, yeah, like to just do the sign. It's like okay, they're afraid of what they don't understand. Sure, we already got that vibe. You don't right. need to smack us in the face with that point. Right. No, I see what you're saying. That probably was in the second rewrite. They added that. Yeah, you know, the executives, the executives wanted that. Well, the, but, the the director. You know what other movie he directed? The only one that. Um, I do know this. I'm the, the Hunger Games. Yes. Yeah. That's it. Same No, he he's done oh, other okay. stuff, no. but <laughs> big, he's big done budget. other stuff. But but as far as like with stuff you would know, right? And I thought, right. Well, what an interesting. But he wrote. The difference is he wrote this. Yeah, I you saw know, that. This was his Written, vision and produced you know. maybe. Um, but like going back to your point about the color, uh, Jason, uh, I've even wrote down the speech because the mayor is admonishing Toby Maguire and Jeff Daniels for painting a mural on the side of the police station that includes all of the book that were burned in town because once the books start to fill in, they have, uh, and that's uh, one of the turning points for Jen's character is that Skip Martin sort of jumps, jumps on the bandwagon and he's burning books and he's like, Mary Sue, it's bad. You know, let, yeah. let's get rid of the books. And she actually yells at him and kicks him and takes the book with her. She's like, this is the first book I've ever actually read. Get away from me. And she starts seeing her own worth, which is great. Right. And you know, she, she evolves as a person too unexpectedly. Yeah. She starts out as the shallow one and ends up being the one with some substance. Whereas David doesn't change all that much. I the, mean, he's still sort of the same guy. He has more confidence, but he doesn't do a complete well, he, 180. He, he, he's, been, no, he, he's been with a woman. Yeah, he doesn't do a 180. That's huge. What he comes up with. He's old enough to vote now. Yeah, he comes up <laughs> with the, the realization that there's no right car. There's no right. Yeah, you take what you get and you make life good. You make what you have good. Well, That's I true. do you like know. how they did that in both worlds. So uh, David is trying to help Betty because Betty turns uh, color before her husband and he has the mayor in their living room and he's like, oh, I bet you'd love some of Betty's hors d'oeuvres. And he keeps calling for her over and over and she's afraid to go out and, and meet him because she's in color now. It's and a so shame. There's actually a really tender moment. Which, where oh, it was Toby a beautiful Maguire, scene. Oh, I thought that was great. That was where, such a good scene. And they they. Bring that full circle. So Toby McGuire sitting with his fictional mother, Betty, at the kitchen table, and he's covering her up and putting her back in black and white so she can go out and face her husband. And it's just so tender and well shot, and it's a beautiful moment, like you guys said. And then later, when you're talking about the right car, Jason, he's back in reality with his mom, who the whole premise is that the David and uh, Jen were excited to be home for the weekend by themselves because their mom was going out of town and she was meeting her boyfriend for the weekend. But she gets dumped. That's, you know, the what you assume she comes home crying and David just starts to clear her running makeup off of her face. And she's like, God, I used to have everything together. I used to be married to the right guy. We had the right car and now I'm divorced from your dad. And he's like, mom, there is no right guy. Right. There's no right car. There's no right. Anything. It's just life. Yeah. And it, and that scene dovetails so beautifully with the scene where he puts the makeup on. Um, it's, it's a complete 180 because he goes from yeah. covering somebody up and, you know, concealing yeah. who they are to, you know, well, and his he, mom realized but, who she should be. But it's it's beautiful because in both of them, he's being so, and that's why I like the idea of him being sort of the god character to uh, Jen's Lucifer because you can tell he is looking at these people that he knows are not like him. They're not. They're 
not real in the way he is real. They're yeah. TV show yeah. people. He's not and he, like forcing them into a decision the way Jin was. He's sort of leading the horses. He, yeah, he has so much compassion for them. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like this could be a creation myth in a science fiction novel. It's like an episode of Star Trek. I think it's one of the reasons why I liked it. It felt like this is the sort of thing you would have gotten on a smaller scale in uh, Twilight Zone. Well, yeah, it was more like the zone with the black yeah. and white, I thought. The zone. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what the cool kids call it? Well, not the nerds like with myself. The, the 50s glasses. No, thank you. The, but Nerd the thing is, though, 50s glasses look like 2020s glasses. <laughs> I know. They always you, make it, full circle. I they guarantee you, circle. if you wore those glasses, no one would even hesitate. No one would think. No, I mean, they look kind of the, like they're just They're just, they're just glasses. Shape. Yeah. yeah. Every, well, glasses are so in vogue now. When I was yeah. in third grade, before glasses were cool and I needed them, I had these big, you know, <laughs> horn-rimmed glasses. And I even remember, as a third grader, I couldn't really understand what was being said to me, but I knew it wasn't great. My teacher looked at me when I came to school the first day with glasses. She goes, well, they give your face a lot of character. And I was like, <laughs> oh, and thanks. years later, I was thanks, just like, teach. oh, you suck. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> Thanks, Mrs. H. That was really a boost to my Holy self-esteem. crap, you're ugly, kid. <laughs> oh, here, quick uh, continuity. Look at his hair there. It is messed up. Mm-hmm. It was messed up before he went to Pleasantville. So, But wait, he will walk through this door without touching his head. As far as you know, you don't see him. No, he'll be perfectly coiffed. Quaffed. Quaffed. Did you just Her, oh, look at that. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was, done with, a, that was that, done with yeah. a brush. Continuity <laughs> error. <laughs> Quaffed. See, again, I even, I even like stuff like that because it's... Oh, it you know, makes it real. It makes it real. It makes yeah. it real. No, you it know. does. But it's funny because that's... Isn't that the mom from Malcolm in the Middle? It, it is. <laughs> She's it always is. the yes. mom of like a messy household. What's going on with this actress? She gets shoehorned and uh, typecast into these mom characters where... Well, she's good at it. But she right. works a lot. Yeah. She's she's working. I mean, yeah. she's still working. She works hard for the money. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this is where Toby comes full circle with his character and... He sits with his actual mother, and he's just like, yeah, life doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. Well, because he and was, he's smiling. You see that look on his face. Well, and he because his whole thing, his arc is that he was idolizing Pleasantville to begin with. That was kind of his escapist, you know, tact because his mom, you know, is single. She's dating, and it's a, he he was sort of shooting himself, where he was like, God, my parents should act like this. Like I wish my parents and my life was more like this. That's why he escapes to Pleasantville and watches it. And the whole premise was that he was going to win a contest because he knows all the trivia. Yeah, he was going to win a thousand bucks or something. And a trip to the Pleasantville of your choice anywhere in America (laughs) was the contest. Yeah. And then Don Knotts shows up and you know turns his world turns his world on its head. But see, and Don Knotts is this sort of you know because we'll see him again briefly. Um, And he's not upset. He's not upset. No, he's happy. He's happy. He's happy. Yeah. Like that's what I want. Ah. Looks like what I because you know regardless of what he was saying to them, you don't know what he actually wanted, and that well, smile on his face at the end is sort of then isn't Don Knotts you know, God because he let them have their free will, and even though he was upset about some of their how decisions, do you know their universe is real? Oh, shut up, Jason. <laughs> Don Knotts, Don, Don Knotts might have been somebody from another universe who hopped into our universe. I'm Doctor Who up in this mother and. He's just been, because think about it, he's been looking, he's been looking for somebody like him, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love the scene where it changes characters. Yeah. Now, yes, now you can yeah. actually see when they, when they, when they zoom in, when one character gets up, because the, the, the actress kind of bounces a little bit. Oh, I have it's, not noticed that. It's kind of cool. So what he's talking about, Hindsiders, is that Betty, the mom, is sitting on a park bench or a bus bench at the end, and she's sitting next to her husband. And she asks him, you know, what's going to happen next? And he goes, you know, I don't know. And the funny part of that is that he was so dependent upon his routine with her is that he gets upset when he comes home one night and she's a not home and his dinner is not on the table. He must say it like 17 times. Where's my dinner? How but, do how do you interpret that? That scene? Which the, 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 they're going to the have end? a menage a trois a little later. Okay. That's, that's a fair interpretation. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> my brain is fried. That's the feminine. <laughs> that's the feminist uh, interpretation. So of, what of story. happened is that Betty's sitting next to her husband when he says he doesn't know what's going to happen. The camera pans to her and then pans back and suddenly it's Jeff Daniels sitting next to her on the bench. So you don't really know if Betty winds up going back to her husband or staying with Jeff Daniels because she does have an affair with him. She does. Uh, through the movie. She clearly she leaves she her is in love. Jeff Daniels. She is in love with Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels is in love with her. He paints her nude um, like one of his French girls. She explicitly leaves William H. Macy. 
very but, strategically but kindly she's like i've left pack lunches for you very, for the it week. Was very here's firm. a meatloaf in the, in the oven it was it was so it was final and firm yeah was, she made it very it, clear to him but then they have the scene where where william h macy goes from black and white to color because he's looking at her and realizing how much he loves, he her. loves her absolutely and in so the courthouse because toby mcguire is doing that whole speech where he's like because they're arguing everything should be pleasant and he goes well there are better things than just pleasant they're silly they're sexy there's this there's that and he's he's got a really great speech about it and yeah. he looks at his dad he's like dad look up at mom right now isn't she just as beautiful as the first day that you saw her Aww. and that's when william h macy turns into color yeah. and so that's where his bro- boiling point happens but everybody changes for different reasons. But so you wonder if because he's changed, will she stay with him or is she going to stick with right. Jeff Daniels? And that's again the, you know, the whole like leaving Eden thing, because now it's, well, it's a real, it, you, you, congratulations. You have a real world problem. It gets everyone, complicated. It's complicated. Very everyone complicated. has choices yeah. now. And it's all from that first tumultuous question that Reese Witherspoon asked in class. Yeah. What's outside of Pleasant? Right. Because she's the first one that rocks the yeah. boat in every sense of the word. Not just like the sex and, you know, introducing people to masturbation, but she's like, yeah, what's <laughs> at the end of Main Street? Yeah. Just a simple question like that rocked the entire classroom. They're like, oh, Mary Sue, don't be silly. You know, the well, end of Main Street is just the beginning again. Well, see, and that's what's great, too, because they're they're saying specifically that it's if you go out here, you come back where you started, which is exactly what would happen in our universe you can't leave it. If you keep going in a straight line, you're just going to come back to where you were. <laughs> yeah. Because space is curved. So oh it's God. like, uh, it, it's a brilliant. Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it was really brilliant. Well written, well acted, well thought, directed. Thought provoking. Yeah, it was. We're having a short yeah. episode because all of us liked it so much. There's no oh, intention. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the first time I had seen it. I did not see it back in the day. Okay. Yeah. I don't oh, know. Oh, this was your first time This is my it? first time. So after Seinfeld, I'm going to be right in the middle of the road. But as I said, and I say time and time again, I am a better person because I know you too. Thank you very much for doing that for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, but I do have to make one silly point. Uh, This won an award for best, uh, what's it called when somebody covers, it's like a cover for a song. You know who's singing at the end across the universe? Yeah, it's uh, Randy Newman. No, it's um, uh, Fiona Apple. Yeah. Oh, oh, right. I, oh, I yes. totally. Yeah, I, I had this. A, the movie won an award for that. Yeah, I had uh, I had this song on uh, on my computer. I had an MP3 of it that I probably got Aww. from Napster. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Yes, you did. You yeah, I'm pretty stole sure I got Napster. it from Napster. Yeah. That was the the 90s were the age of many things, including massive digital piracy. Yes. Oh my. I'm gonna go ahead and start the Alf Seinfeld. Well, uh, Mr. Brown already did. Oh, okay. Straight well, five since straight five. Seen it okay, before. first time, but loved Kick it. it. Off, Jason. I am gonna say without hyperbole, it gets a ten, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> oh, I've seen the movie before. I saw it in the theater, yeah. but eh, you know, it was a movie. It was good. You know. Oh, I, it changed for you. But oh, no, massively. You've turned much, to color since. Then. Massive, You're much more yes. mature. You're I think. More mature yeah, now. I think that's that. At the time, there was no way. Yes. Yeah. I, <laughs> Hey, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> there goes the tree. <laughs> Holy crap! I've got oh, genitals oh, now. We because we, we oh the tree. The yeah. Tree. So <sighs> when Betty does learn how to pleasure herself, thanks to Mary Sue, uh, Toby McGuire's panicking because it's the first fire ever in Pleasantville, and he that doesn't occur to him. He doesn't put two and two together. He starts screaming fire, and he even has to run across town. He runs into the station, and he's yelling fire the entire time. And the boys are just sitting around at the fire station playing cards, and he's like, fire! Fire! Come on, That's fire! a great scene. And then finally, cat? And they yeah! jump out of their seats, we and they're move. ready to go. And he he actually even has to pull the fireman's hose out of the truck and connect it to... I was wondering what that was see, for. I was thinking that he was going to tell the fireman that the cat was in the tree on fire, thus prompting them to panic and put the fire out. That's, no, that's where I they, thought... They didn't even know how to use the I hose. I didn't so know that, yeah. He did. Yeah. He showed them how, and even one of them goes, oh, so that's what this thing is for. <laughs> He's just spraying the flames with I water. I know. Yeah. That was such a great moment. And then he won an award for being most innovative in town yeah. yes but then people started being uh suspicious of him because they were like and some people started admiring him like the kids were like hey bud how'd you know about the fire and so that's when they start asking him he becomes their impromptu leader uh because jen can't remember the stories in the books and they're like but 
bud, have you read this book? And he's like, oh, yeah, I remember how the rest of it goes. And so they start listening to him, and he becomes kind of their leader. And, but I just love when that girl brings him cookies. And in the episode, they're, they're Whitey's cookies. Yeah. And yeah, he's in like, the show. He's like, yeah, in the show. Oh, no, no, those are Whitey's cookies. No, they're your cookies. No, no you th- made those for Whitey. You made no, them. I made them for you. And then she just kind of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, ma- maybe you did make them for me. <laughs> Just like pushes herself up against, and she's when someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. And she like that's a turnaround for him too, because like you said, Mr. Brown, when he realizes that he can get laid, he's like sprinting down the street to go ask her out. I just love too that it's so explicitly cookies. Like I want you to take my cookies, (laughs) taste your cookies, bud. I will trade you a banana for my cookies. (laughs) Would you like to put a banana in my pie? (laughs) Oh. Also, Fine. I have this box. Do you have a tool <laughs> you would to place in here? Oh, God. Ten. Wait, even Don Knotts says something like that. It's not as risque as how he yeah. phrased it, but he's like, those are Whitey's cookies, bud. <laughs> <laughs> he's screaming at him through the television screen. But, um, <laughs> we got to nip this in the bud. Oh, Mr. Drysdale. I can't do I cannot do uh, a Don Knotts. You got to nip this in the bud. That's as close as I can get. But anyway, uh, Alpha Seinfeld for me. So since I was younger when this movie came out, I wouldn't have seen it in theaters, but I probably saw it in my early teens uh, when it came out on VHS. And I didn't get a lot of the more subtle jokes about, like, I didn't understand the masturbation aspects, like all the sexual undertones. I didn't get any of that. So, Jason, I got to go with you on this one. I'm going to give it a pretty high grade. I have to say, Yay! I'm going to give it a nice. Nine and a half, like uh, not because there are questions that aren't answered, but some of the stuff I'm just like, okay, once again, to what end? Did Don Knotts go in with a mission? Did he not? Does it really matter? I guess not. Yeah. Um, but it ultimately doesn't matter. But I, I'm going to give it a nine and a half because this movie definitely improved for me. I liked it from the beginning. I enjoyed all the beautiful colors, the black and white, the shift, the change, the, you know, some of the jokes that I did get. But yeah, nine and a half for me. Yeah, I think I mean, it makes sense. You know, I, I remember there was a glorious time in my life when I would regularly go to the uh, movie theater and then Wait, went, what? And then I would leave the theater and for the rest of the day I would be thinking about the movie that I had just seen. You know, there was there was just a good movie stuck with you and well, you, you know, ruminated uh, on it because you weren't, th- in theory, you weren't going to go see it again because movies did cost money. They weren't as expensive they were like as they were. They were like $3.50. Yeah. crazy. Yeah, but Unless so, you went to the dollar cinema. Yeah, that's right. That's true. That's but, right. But it's kind they of showed big, faces of death there. <laughs> <laughs> but we talked about this before. Movies used to, they used to be just like a one-shot thing. You had to really invest and pay attention while you were watching it because you didn't really know that it was going to wind up I, on VHS or DVD. There like, was no texting while you were watching movies back no, then. No, we didn't I, even have cell phones I, 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 I disagree. I think that it's literally the quality of the writing. I, I think it's the movies themselves. You know, I agree because, like, you see, there's Star nothing Wars for the first time. Yeah. You're gonna go see it more than once. Yeah. Well, there's nothing playing at. Th- we actually we looked, you know, because uh, uh, David was off <clears throat> school for a few days. Lucky bastard. And it was like, oh, well, go see a movie. Nothing is literally nothing. I that, couldn't name a single movie you know, that's out right now. Honestly. And well, and then I went to Fathom Events, and we got to buy the Smoking the Bandit tickets. Uh, they're gonna be showing in the theater in May. I'm in. Um, but You're the one who's out of town. Yeah, it's the end of May though. Okay. Uh, but they are doing uh, one night only in theater, The Godfather. Oh. <gasps> and it, but the, but think about it. It's like I'm looking for movies to go see, and then it's like you see this movie from the '70s, and you realize, oh my god. Well, and a lot of it's <laughs> the nostalgia of movies that you've never seen in theaters. For instance, uh. uh Smoking of the Bandit. Yes, yeah, never seen the that in the theater. I didn't see that in theaters. I I was heartbroken a couple of years back when Carrie Elwes was in town for a screening of The Princess Bride. It got uh, it was right as COVID hit, I think, or somebody got sick, or I don't know. It got canceled, and I was like, "No, I've never seen Prince." It was a double whammy because I didn't get to see Carrie, and I didn't get to see Princess Bride on the silver screen. Yeah, it was a bummer. But it's mostly movies that I've cherished my entire life that I would love to see on a big screen. So, like you said, Smokey and the Bandit, The Godfather. Yeah. Like, uh, Which I love that Fathom Events does this. They just randomly just find some movie and they do, oh, we're going to have Casablanca in the theater. Oh, yeah. I, you know? Oh, yay. I've never seen Casablanca, so I'd love for my first experience of that Casablanca be, to be in the theater. That would, that be, that would be cool. Yeah, we need to do that one of these days. Uh, but we're going to have to pick something bad 
next because we we picked a movie we like. We all liked it. Uh, whose turn is it? Next? I'm gonna have to go through the analogs. Uh, who picked Embryo? You. That was the yes, one we I picked Embryo. Latest, but yes. then what did we record most recently? No, yeah, no, it was it was Embryo. Was wasn't it? it okay? Yeah, it was Embryo. So round. it's your turn. So camera to Adam, please. <laughs> no! He hates making decisions. I do. I'm so scared they'll like my movie. <laughs> and then we won't have anything to talk about. That's right. But yeah, so hindsight. All right. We appreciate. Yeah, you. we'll come up with something. Oh, we always <laughs> do. But uh, in the meantime, we can't promise because life throws what it will at you. But we hope to be back without as much of a gap between recordings next week. That's what we're shooting for. So we appreciate you joining us for your drive time, your listening time, your black and white time, your technicolor time. We don't really care what kind of time. You're rescuing rescuing a cat from a tree time. This has been Darth, Adam, and Jason with Hindsight. And good night.